Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Hello, my name is Christy Anderson with Bible Interact. You can find a lot more information about my ministry at ForItIsWritten.com. Again, that's ForItIsWritten.com. Today we're going to talk about what I call the Law of Chesed. And Chesed is just the Hebrew word that we translate as loving kindness or mercy or grace. And we're going to focus here on Matthew 12, 1 through 8, and see how this story really shows us uh, how Messiah walked in the truth by applying um, laws in a proper order, in a proper way, according to the law of Chesed. Um, because sometimes we'll see that laws can conflict, a positive and negative commandment, do this or don't do this, can conflict and how are we to handle these things and how are we to prioritize um, our obedience to the master so that we don't end up looking like the negative example of a Pharisee who um, does not meet human need uh, but is more apt to just consider the ceremonial concerns to make themselves look good. Um, it's not that ceremonial concerns are not important to God or he would not have given them, but how do we prioritize these things so that we're walking according to the spirit in the power of the truth and the power of the gospel and the power of the word of God, the eternal Torah of God. So let's turn first to Matthew 12 and we're going to start in verse one. And here we, it says at that time, Yeshua went through the grain Again, that website is foritiswritten.com, foritiswritten.com, and you can get all these resources and many more uh, at that website. I hope you've enjoyed this teaching. Um, I hope it's been enlightening, and again, you can find all this information at the website, foritiswritten.com. Have a great and wonderful afternoon. Shalom. Fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he became hungry, he and his companions, how he entered the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him? but for the priests alone? Or have you not read in the Torah that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath." Now, we want to cross-reference Mark 2, 23 through 28, because it gives us, in this account, it gives us just a tad extra that we're going to zero in on. 
On verse 23, he begins, Mark 2, verse 23. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need, and he and his companions became hungry? How he entered the house of God and in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Yeshua said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So are Yeshua then and his disciples Sabbath breakers? Are they sinners or are they not? This is an important question. Christians and and different commentators have uh, come up with different answers for this. Some agreeing with the Pharisees, calling them sinners. But are they sinners? We'll see. What does the Lord say? Yeshua does not respond, notice, to this accusation that his disciples are breaking the Sabbath and that he's allowing it. Um, He does not say, well, we're innocent because plucking the heads of grain and eating it on the Sabbath is not a violation of the Torah. That's just your silly laws, your silly external um, unbiblical laws. He doesn't say that. Yeshua's disciples technically violated the Sabbath in this regard. Uh, plucking the heads of grain, considered work. But Yeshua responds by using the accuser's own halakhic or legal procedures for determining innocence or guilt, according to the Torah. So I call this the grain field incident. Now, David and his companions are compared to the master and his disciples in, in the master's example and analogy. Uh, the master admits that David did something unlawful. And so by comparison, he's, he's agreeing that the disciples did something technically unlawful. But David, he notes, violates the sanctity of the temple service by eating the bread of the presence because and for the purpose of the fact that he and his men were really hungry. The disciples violate the sanctity of the Sabbath also by plucking, husking, and eating the grain on the Sabbath day because they're hungry. So he's made, we see that parallel in the comparison. So David and his men correspond to the disciples in the analogy, and both parties are hungry and both are without food, and both acquire food by forbidden means. So we have to look at how the Lord is making his legal reasoning. And if we look at Jewish uh, legal precedents and how they set things, um, we have legal precedent even in the world today in America uh, where different cases are made, and so you develop this legal precedent. And what they call in Hebrew, um, Zod Heter, and where a precedent is cited to show uh, in a certain circumstance, a law can be relaxed. So they use this kind of legal reasoning. The master then reasons that the need for food and hunger or suffering of David and his men provided adequate justification for violating the temple service by eating the bread of the presence. Uh, He also uses a second witness or citation uh, using the example of the priests that violate the Sabbath weekly to perform the temple service. They're slaughtering animals, they're tending the altar, they're igniting incense, they're lighting the menorah, they're baking bread, and so forth. Yet, 
they are considered guiltless before Yahweh. So they're using this, as I said, legal reasoning, this Zod Heter. Um, it's a, a legal argument used when there are commandments that conflict in Scripture. So what do we do when laws seem to conflict? When there are contradictions then between these positive and negative commandments, how are we going to deal with that even today in our own life? Um, and we're going to continue to analyze here, how did Yeshua handle this conflict? And then we will apply it to our lives today so that we can also act in the same manner and discernment of situations that come up um, as we're trying to keep the commandments, but we're also trying to walk in the love of God and we're trying to marry those two and do that in the way that the master did it. So to reconcile such moral dilemmas, the Talmudic era sages derived the following axiom that we can learn from. They said, whatever or wherever you find a positive commandment and a negative commandment contradicting, if you can fulfill both of them, it is preferable. But if not, let the positive command come and supersede the negative command. The priests violated the Sabbath when serving the temple, but they were guiltless because the Torah commanded them to do so. The positive commandments to conduct the temple service superseded the negative commandment to the Sabbath prohibition. So in the next few verses, uh, we continue our reading. Remember, we opened with Matthew 12, 1 through 8. And if you keep reading in verse 9 through 12, we'll see that Yeshua makes, again, another legal argument of the same kind. It's a situation then where a positive commandment is superseding a negative commandment. He's making this example to further prove his case. So in starting in uh, Matthew 12, uh, starting in verse 9, he says, Departing from there, he went into their synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Yeshua, asking, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him? And he said to them, What man is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable, then, is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now let's cross-reference again the Mark version of this. You can also look in Luke as well. But Mark 3, verse 1 through 6 says, He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began to cons began conspiring. Cons the Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him, as to how they might destroy him. So Yeshua said something greater than the temple is in play in this situation here, in Matthew twelve one through eight, um, and as he continued uh, in verse nine, as we read and following. 
uh, the same legal reasoning. So to what was Yeshua referring? What was greater than the Sabbath that compared also with David's violation of the sanctity of the temple bread? What was that? Well, we got to go back to the original text uh, again with Matthew 12, 1 through 8. The thing that was greater, the thing that was greater is the need or the hunger of the disciples. That is what is greater. So because we, we know that threat to life is always um, acceptable to go uh, to break a, a law, just like we, we do in regular life. If you're, um, as, as I did when I was pregnant with my first child, we were racing to the hospital. My husband was the crazy first, you know, time parent, and he was running around like a madman. And uh, we were in a little red sports car at the time. We still hadn't gotten a new car for that would have been better for car seats. But um, so we're racing at like one in the morning to the hospital and he's ran a red light and he's going way too fast. And we got pulled over by the policeman and he puts his hands out the window on, on that. The, so the policeman could see, you know, his hands uh, and he wasn't doing anything. And as the policeman approached and he he's like, my wife, she's about to have a baby and the contractions are two minutes apart. And he's all panicked. And the policeman stops in his tracks and he just points and goes, because he could tell we were en route to the hospital in the direction we were going. And he just says, go. And so he relaxed the commandment against speeding and against running red lights in the situation because the human need at the time, me giving birth, took precedent. Um, and so we understand how to do this all the time in normal situations in life. But somehow people tend to lose their brain a little bit when it comes to interpreting scripture and making the same kind of legal precedent and making the same kind of legal rulings. And what we're seeing here is that the Messiah is making the same kind of human need-based legal rulings um, that you would make, uh, just like you would make in that situation I gave with, with um, giving birth and running to the hospital and, and racing there uh, and violating a few laws en route uh, to meet the greater human need. Now, uh, threat to life in this situation of just being hungry does not seem to be in play. Now, granted, in a situation where I'm going to the hospital, there was a sense of threat to life. There could be, potentially, uh, more so than in just being hungry. However, the uh, in Matthew 12 and David's examples, we saw that threat to life was not appearing to be in play. So we do know, though, that alleviation of human suffering was certainly in play. If you're if you're really hungry, that's human need. Uh, it's an extension of mercy uh, that is certainly in play when people are hungry. Uh, that can be an uncomfortable situation, and we don't know the circumstances. We're not told the circumstances uh, that you know how long it had been since they'd eaten. You know, to what degree were they hungry, or does it matter? Uh, and maybe we're not told for a reason. Maybe it's because the Lord wants us to focus on the human aspect, the human need side. So we have another example then of human need um, in the scriptures when we're talking about the Good Samaritan. That is another mercy over prohibition example. The master poses the question at the end, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor of the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy or chesed, the one who showed him chesed, mercy or loving kindness uh, from Luke 10 36 through 37. 
So the key point then is that the law of chesed, loving kindness then, is revealed or understood by those who are willing to show mercy or choose mercy over prohibition when the situation warrants doing so. The priest and Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan understood and applied prohibition to the exclusion of mercy, and in this they failed to apply the Torah of God properly. Uh, you might look at an example today if you're you know, traveling, you're, you're out of town and you can't get food and it's the Sabbath and you, you weren't able to get the grocery store, you're in some situation and you're starving, you know, and you have to buy some food or you're, are you going to starve yourself or are you going to buy some food? Well, everyone's going to have to go on their own conscience there, but let's not be quick to judge our brother who, you know, might be really hungry and goes ahead and buys some food on the Sabbath, so he technically violates the Sabbath by, you know, making a purchase on the Sabbath, but he's meeting, uh, you know, a, a significant human need that we see the master also meeting on the Sabbath, even though sometimes that can require a technical violation. Now, that would be different than just being negligent and, you know, just, well, I'm just going to go out to eat, you know, on the Sabbath anytime and every week, just as a planned thing. But, you know, we need to have some discernment there and we need to have some intent and, and we need to look at the heart. But let's just not be quick to judge our brothers is more where I'm going here. So when we see them potentially doing something, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe there's some human need going on there. Now, there's a priority principle that we've been talking about here, this compassion over ceremony. But it's not compassion in place of ceremony. It's compassion over ceremony. Yeshua uses Hosea 6.6 to teach a principle of placing compassion for human beings and the alleviation of human suffering ahead of ceremonial concerns. In that regard, alleviation of human suffering is greater than the temple. So why was it permissible for David and his men to violate the sanctity of the temple service by taking the bread of the presence? Was King David greater than the temple? No. Again, it's that priority principle, compassion over ceremony. King David and his men's human need was greater than the temple service. Again, it's compassion over ceremony, but not in place of ceremony. The church has taught that compassion was given in place of ceremony. It is now replaced ceremony. Ceremony is no longer necessary. We just need compassion. And that teaching falls short of what Messiah taught. Uh, he, we must learn to obey the commandments through walking by the spirit that teaches us how to prioritize and apply the commandments the way Yeshua did. So there, uh, Messiah applies this ethic to the situation with the disciples specifically there. The disciples need is greater than the Sabbath because like David and his men, they are hungry. Here's the legal reasoning. Temp, uh, since the temple service is already higher priority than the Sabbath, the disciples are guiltless because human need is higher priority than the temple service. So it goes Sabbath. If you're looking at it in a, in a triangular sense, the base is the Sabbath. Then the precedent above that is the temple service, which the priests violate but are not guilty. Uh, therefore, human need, as in the case of David and now the disciples, takes precedent over the temple service. So the bottom line is that there is an order of priority of obedience to the Lord. God desires mercy or chesed more than, not in place of sacrifice, but 
more than sacrifice. So Mark's version of this story says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath uh, in Mark 2, 27. So compassion for human beings takes priority over the Sabbath. The Talmudic era sages echo this idea. The Sabbath, they say, has been given over to you, but you have not been given to the Sabbath. So it's an order of creation. Uh, we see this where Adam was made before Sabbath. Sabbath was given to and made for man. Paul makes a similar um, logic or argument in 1 Timothy 2.13 and 1 Corinthians 11.8-9 when he says Adam was formed before Eve. Man was not created for woman, but woman for man. So the Sabbath, we also know we can combine these ideas and then look at the idea that the Sabbath in Jewish literature is considered the bride of Israel. And so the Hebrew equivalent of saying Lord of the Sabbath could be translated husband of the Sabbath. So therefore, Messiah's argument requires us to understand that the phrase son of man in Matthew 12, 8, to refer not to Messiah alone in its messianic sense, but to Ben Adam or the son of man, a common biblical idiom for a human being. By saying that a human being is Lord in the sense of stewardship, ownership, mastery, or symbolically husband, Yeshua is using a common biblical Hebrew idiom uh, to say that human beings are above the Sabbath, not below it on the scale of priority. So just as Adam was the steward over his wife, who was created after him and for him, human beings are Lord of the Sabbath, which was created after them and for them. Therefore, in the Mark 2.27 passage, when Messiah says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the human being or son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. So they regard son of man as referring specifically to a human being. The Sabbath was given to you, human being. You were not given to the Sabbath. And we see that in the, um, in, uh, the rabbinic writings uh, that specific phrase that they that they say in that precedent. Now, if Yeshua meant, I am the Lord, and therefore I can make the rules, and I can change the rules, or even break the rules, his opponents would have taken issue with this and called him out as a sinner. In all cases, Yeshua's legal reasoning silences his critics. They have zero evidence to accuse him of sin, sin being a violation of Torah. So Yeshua's legal reasoning renders the correct verdict, not guilty. All of Yeshua's Sabbath disputes, even healing on the Sabbath, center on the one central point of contention, the law or principle of chesed, or mercy, loving kindness. So namely, that is, God desires mercy above, not in place of, but above sacrifice. So when he says, I desire mercy over sacrifice, he, we have to consider the high priority that God places on the Sabbath. He, he, it's the first commandment we get in Scripture in Genesis that, that he gave to man uh, outside of, uh, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Um, how much more then was the temple service important, but how much more, as we've seen, is human need take priority over all of those? So it's not that they are done away with. The Sabbath is not done away with. The temple service uh, by default is is. Uh, no longer in play, but the Sabbath continues. It's not temple dependent. 
Um, it was there from the beginning, long before the temple was, was given. So we still need to understand and apply today, since we still have the Sabbath, we still have human need, uh, how to apply human need above um, sacrifice and above um, our negative commandments and prohibitions. So the ultimate question we must ask ourselves is this, are his priorities my priorities? Do I place the emphasis on the correct things? I hope you've enjoyed this teaching. You can get more information at foritiswritten.com again. That is foritiswritten.com. You can also uh, purchase several books I have available, um, both uh, commentaries on Galatians as well as Hebrews coming out in June. And um, I also have a uh, basic books uh, called Study Foundations that gives you um, information on how to study the scriptures and apply them uh, properly and the 10 top things you need to know. Hope you've enjoyed this teaching. We'll see you next time. Shalom.